Amen. Before we um, receive the offering, <clears throat> we do want to give you an opportunity to sow into good ground tonight. Amen. You know, we've been talking about it. You've seen it the last month, probably. We have our New Beginnings Bible School here at um, New Beginnings. And we have two classes now because we started it last year. So we have our second year students. And now we have our first year students. Amen. And it is all, I mean, oh, I think the new first year class, I was talking to Pastor Jerry, and I know it's over 30 people. It's amazing. Um, and it's good ground. And these people that are in Bible school year one and year two, they're sowing a lot of their time, amen, to grow in the word of God, to grow in their walk with Jesus. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into good ground. Amen. So if you're here and you would like to sponsor a student, it doesn't need to be the full amount. I believe um, it's what Brian ate. 800 a year first, 800 a year per student. We're not saying you have to sponsor the full amount. Hey, God puts that on your heart. Amen. But if you would like to give anything to a sponsorship, sponsorship to a student, we want to give you an opportunity to sow into that. Amen. It is good ground to sow into. So what you can do, if you're feeling that, if God is speaking to you, just grab an offering envelope right now and um, make sure you put Bible school on it because we'll be receiving the offering, your tithes and offerings, and that special offering together in just a minute. So make sure you write Bible school on it so we know that that is for Bible school. Amen. So you can do that. If you want to give online, there is a drop-down menu when you go to online giving for Bible school sponsorship. So you'll see it so you can give online there as well. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to pray over both those offerings and then we'll receive that. So Father, just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, first for our, our tithes and offerings, Lord, that, Father, we know you are faithful to your word. And, Father, you tell us when we follow your principles, you will supply all of our need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So we thank you for that, Father. And we just thank you, and I bless that giving. I thank you for everybody that is sowing in to the Bible school students, Lord. It is good ground, Father. And we thank you for the fruit that is going to bear from it, Lord, and the fruit that these students are going to bear, most importantly, Lord. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive the offering. So, <coughs> excuse me. We are in second week, the third week, actually, of our foundation series. We wanted to start this series off with a series called Foundations. And tonight, we're going to be looking at the topic of righteousness. But before we get into that, the topic of righteousness, just to review a little bit, you know, we've been studying, and last week especially, we've been studying how it is so important to have a good foundation and what a good foundation, the role it plays in the life of a believer. Amen. We need to have a strong foundation. Amen. That's where it starts. The foundation is where it starts. And what is the purpose of having a, a foundation? Well, a foundation, if you're in construction, you would know a foundation is extremely important. And a foundation plays three major roles in the construction of a structure. Number one, a foundation, it supports the load of the entire building and provides for future expansion. Number two, a strong foundation keeps the building standing while the forces of nature wreak havoc. That is important. And then three, a solid foundation stops undermining issues from seeping in and weakening the structure. And a foundation, making sure our foundation is built upon the word of God and the word of God only it helps that way in our lives as well. Amen. It's the same purpose in our lives. Second Timothy 3.16, Paul's writing to Timothy. And he says to Timothy, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. 
that the man of God or woman of God may be complete, what? Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen? Amen. Who here knows we need to be equipped? We need to be equipped for every good work. Paul's telling them, Timothy, don't move off your foundation. That's what Paul is telling him. Don't move off your foundation. Build it stronger and stronger because you've got a lot to accomplish from God. And even last week we were talking about maybe you were here last week and then you heard the message and maybe you didn't have a foundation yet and you had to start building it. Maybe your foundation is strong. That's perfect. Keep getting it stronger. Amen? Keep getting it stronger. And why the concern when it comes to foundations? Well, no foundation, there's no growth. If it's a wrong foundation, it could be wrong growth. But a strong biblical foundation, tremendous. What does that give us? Tremendous, effectual, life-impacting growth. Amen? Amen? So this whole series, we're doing it, and it's, it's really serving a couple purposes. And again, this whole series, we've been looking at foundational truths that we need to know. And again, for some, it is building a foundation from scratch. And if that's you, praise God. You're building your foundation. You're starting to build your foundation. For others, it will be strengthening that foundation that already exists. And for others, it might serve the purpose of identifying areas where the foundation has been damaged and then to start to repair that area. Amen? So last week, we looked at the first building block. <clears throat> the first building block to build a strong foundation that supports the weight of all the other building blocks. And this is so important. The number one is when we are born again, what? We become a new creation in Christ. I'm going to say it again. When we are born again, we become a new creation in Christ. It says, behold, all things have passed away. All things are new. You are a new person in Christ when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Amen. That is who you become. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you receive Jesus, you are in Christ now. That is who you are. That is who you are. Amen. Amen. There is a life change that happens. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Jesus, what is he saying here? Is, well, number one, we know this. In order <coughs> excuse me, to enter into this physical realm, you must experience natural birth. That's how we get here, right? We enter into this physical realm. But Jesus is telling him, in order to get into heaven, you must experience spiritual birth. And that needs to happen while we're here on earth. To experience that spiritual birth. See, the enemy wants nothing more than for us to walk around not knowing who we truly are. He wants nothing more than for us to walk around not knowing who we truly are. Why? Because he can get into our thoughts. 
He can get into our actions. He can get into our life, right? Because we don't know who we truly, if we don't know who we truly are. He doesn't want us, the enemy doesn't want us walking around in the reality that our spirit is now alive and connected to God Almighty. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. Because see, here's the thing. When we know we're connected to the Lord God Almighty, when we know that we are in Christ, we truly know who we are. See, before I was born again, I was Matt and I had all my flaws. Now, after I got born again, I'm still Matt. I still have flaws. They sure as heck didn't go away. Working on them, but I still have flaws. But I'm also Matt in Christ. See, I know who I am. And I know now that, yeah, I might have flaws, but I have the greater one inside of me that can help me out. See, there's a difference. The enemy doesn't want you to come to that realization because, see, he wants to keep me. I'm just, I'm just Matt and I have flaws. He wants to pick me apart. Because what? When you know you're in Christ, you know who you are. When you don't know you're in Christ, condemnation comes, guilt comes, shame comes, whatever it may be. See, the enemy doesn't want us to come to that realization. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 through 12, we need to settle this in our heart. Once for all, it says, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. See, at salvation, we receive eternal life. We step into eternal life. We receive eternal life. Now, again, we talk about, yes, when we take our last breath, we're, if you receive Jesus, you're going to heaven. But we really step into eternal life that day that we give our life to Jesus, if you're really thinking about it, because that's when we become who we really are. And at salvation, we receive that eternal life. And Greek is zoe, and it says zoe, that it's a God kind of life. The life of God in us enables us. Amen? And we now have his attributes and potential implanted in us. Second Peter, verse, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. That is good news. It's saying we have everything that we need for a godly life. But notice that it's important through our knowledge in him. You need to know who he is. You need to know what the word says. Amen. It says through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. See, we have promises in the word of God. Each and every one of us, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have promises in the Word of God. You need to make sure you know those promises. You need to make sure you believe in those promises. You need to make sure you receive those promises and then walk in those promises. But first, you need to know them. And I want to just encourage you, I feel strongly, because see, here's the thing. You might receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and that is the most important thing there is. We're just the first building block, right? You, you are a new creation. And yes, you are going to heaven. But God still has a plan and a purpose for your life, and you still have a life to live here on earth. You need to know what the Word of God says. He has given us a strategy. God, you know, I think I shared this in Bayville last week, you know, because who here you've ever gotten stuck in life? Oh, well, not a lot of people. Praise God. Praise God. You feel stuck in life. I remember as a kid, and I don't even know if they have these anymore because you got YouTube and all that stuff, but I remember as a little kid, and I'd play a video game and I would get stuck because I not good. I was not good at like anything that had puzzles or anything like that. Just I'd get frustrated. I'd get stuck. I'd want to throw the controller. 
and I'd get stuck. But then if it was a game I really liked and I actually wanted to try to complete the game, I know I could go to the, the video game store and buy a thing called a strategy guide. I don't even know if they have these anymore, but a strategy guide and you could open a strategy guide and it would walk you through the game. It would show you maybe that part you're stuck, how to get over it and it would explain how to do it. Now, we're going to get stuck in life, but God has given us a strategy guide in his word. Everything that we need is in his word. Amen. But we need to make sure we're opening his word, that we're reading his word, that we're building our faith on his word. We're letting his word get in us. Amen. It says, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. See, we are a new creation when you receive Jesus. You now have the life of God inside of you. Amen? So it brings us to the second building block now. <coughs> Excuse me. The second building block. When you were born again, you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is so important. When you were born again, you became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, righteousness, righteousness, excuse me, is a gift. Righteousness is a gift that comes from the Lord to those who accept what Jesus has done for them by faith, that he went to the cross, that he died for us, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And the gift of salvation produces a changed heart that in turn should be changing our actions. Amen? Actions, see, actions cannot change our heart. Actions cannot change our heart. It's the heart of man that God looks upon. When our heart change, changes, normally our actions will change. Because here's the thing. Before you receive Jesus, I mean, we're, we're all born into this world as sinners, and I'll be getting into this. But before you receive Jesus, you didn't have the life of God inside of you. It says when we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us. Amen. So you could have been sinning before you received Jesus and not cared at all. And to be honest, sometimes that really shouldn't surprise us because they might not have Jesus and you could have been sinning, enjoying it, and it just didn't bother you at all. Now you receive Jesus and how many of us know you receive Jesus, not everything just disappears in that moment, right? Maybe you had an anger problem before you received Jesus. Probably you did not stop having that anger problem the minute you receive Jesus. Maybe that night you stopped because you were really happy, but it could creep back up. But here's the thing now, before you had Jesus, you might not have cared about it, but now you're still, you might be struggling, but there's almost a conviction there because your heart has changed. You want your actions to change. Now you need to let God help you work that out. But there's a difference now. There's a conviction. There's a, I know I shouldn't be doing this. I want to change because our heart has changed. Romans chapter 5, verses 17 to 19. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense came judgment to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in the justification of life. For as by one man's disobedient, <coughs> talking about Adam, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Jesus came to restore 
the relationship that Adam previously had with God the Creator. See, when Adam and Eve were first there, before sin came in, there was no separation, there was no conflict, there was nothing but perfect harmony. Everything was good. But then sin came in, and man lost his position with God. And Jesus came to restore that. You know, if you go and read the book of Genesis, everything was perfect. And then Adam and Eve sinned. And what's the one of the first things, if not the first, I'm trying to remember, that happened when they sinned? All of a sudden, you can tell they felt estranged, so to say, distant from God. They ran to hide from God. They ran to hide from him now because sin was in the world. Because why? Because Adam no longer identified with God. He no longer felt like he was in a relationship with the Father. See, sin that came in, it caused Adam and Eve to switch their nature. They forfeited the nature that God has created them in his own image and took on a sin nature. Now, they took on that sin nature. So Jesus, what did he do? In turn, Jesus, he had to come. He had to take our sin nature, so what? So that we can be, that we could take on his righteousness. Jesus had to come and take on all of our sins. He had to take on our sin nature so we could take on his righteousness. Jesus, what did he do? Jesus stepped out of his position with God. You know, we have to remember that Jesus didn't just start existing when he was born here on earth. Jesus always existed. You can go back to the book of Genesis and God is even speaking and he's talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit because he's saying, let's make them in our image. He's obviously talking to somebody. Jesus has always existed. He was with God from the very beginning. So think about that. Jesus came from heaven, came from where his, with his father in the perfect place to step into this earth, to deal with us, to take our position. We got to remember that because think about it. I mean, man, Jesus, it could have been easy for him to look down and been like, God, they don't not deserve this. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. No, Jesus came here. Why? Because he's love. He loved us so much. God loved us so much. He sent his one and only son to come here. He's, Jesus stepped out of his position with God so that he could step into his position. Sorry, Jesus stepped out of his position with God so that we could step into his position with God. And that explains his cry from the cross when he's taking that to all of our sin now. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because Jesus is taking on all of our sin now, that sin nature in that moment. Jesus never sinned while he walked this earth. The only person to ever never sinned while they walked the earth until he had to go to the cross and he took our sins. Nobody else can claim that, that they've walked this earth and never sinned. If they do, they're a liar. So right then and there, they have sinned. Jesus is the only one. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I want to say that scripture is so powerful. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, Jesus, who is spotless and perfect, he literally had to become sin so that we could become righteous, righteous in him. He bore our sins on the cross. He endured the penalty that we deserved, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen? And if you think about it, this goes back to Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus that we read, where Jesus is telling him, you must be born again. I want to read these scriptures now, and we're going to see how they, they go together. This is important. In John 3, 14, it says, Just as Moses 
lifted up, the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Look, everyone. Salvation is open to anyone and everyone. God's desire is that all would come to know him as Lord and Savior. And then verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, what he's talking about there is, let's go to the book of Numbers. In the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 21, we're going to look at verses 5 through 9. It says, And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? See, this at this time, Moses, God got Moses to get his people out of Egypt. They were in slavery. He gets them out. They're on the run now. And of course, just like we would do, they were different from us. They get out of slavery, what they wanted to get out of there. Now they're having some bad days and they start, now they start complaining. They start complaining. Why, why Moses, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? You know, they weren't looking to God in this moment. But anyway, read the book of Exodus and the numbers and all the, it's good stuff. So it says, for there is no food and no water and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, now they're realizing, like, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was. If the serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. See, we are born sinners. There is no way for us to change on our own. We're born sinners. We're born in a sinful world. And there's no way that we can change on our own. There is no way that we can become righteous on our own. The only way that we can become the righteousness of God is, is in Christ, is receiving Jesus and taking on his righteousness. See, we need to understand how to be in right standing with God because a lot of people, Christians I'm talking about, I'm not talking about people that haven't received Jesus, Christians, we can go through moments where we might not feel like we're not in right standing with God for whatever reason. Maybe we did something that we feel like we shouldn't have done, whatever it is. <clears throat> and when the enemy wants nothing more than for us to feel like we are not in right standing with God. He'll get in your mind. No, you're not right standing with God anymore. You remember that? You did that. Now you got to, you know, you really need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to jump through that to be in right standing with God again. He wants to get into our thought life to make us start to think that. But the Bible says that we cannot attain right standing with God through our own righteous deeds or works. Praise God. Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. <clears throat> we are only righteous because of Jesus when we take on his righteousness. See, when the people, going back to what we just read, when the people acknowledged their sin by looking toward the snake, that what happened? They were redeemed. They were restored and healed. They were taken out of the category of offender and placed into the category of right standing once again. 
when you, when I, when we said yes to Jesus, our position changed. When you said yes to Jesus, our position changed. See, God the Father took us and placed us in a new position with himself. That position is righteousness. It's right standing with God. And I'm telling you, and I feel so strong to share this, it's so important. If you've received Jesus, you got to know you are in right standing with God the Father. It says in Romans 8.1, there is now no, therefore now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why am I saying this? Because, trust me, I've been there. When you all of a sudden start feeling like maybe something happens in life and you're not in right standing with God, the enemy, again, like I said, he will get in your mind. He will start to trick you. He will start to make you think that. Why? Because then you'll go, well, what's even the use of praying with praying to God about this situation? I don't even know if he hears me. I'm not in right standing with him. I've heard so many people say, which is, it's, it's when you look at it, it's the craziest thing, but we all, maybe all of us were there at some point where I've talked to people. Why don't you come to church? I can't get into church until I'm right with God. I can't come to church until I feel like I can't come to church until I'm right with God. The enemy is holding them coming back, coming to the place that they can get free. And they'll feel like I can't go to church until I'm right with God. You cannot get right with God unless you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But the enemy will put in your mind, no, you got to be a better person. Your works have to be better. Your deeds have to be better. You have to be perfect before you can go in the presence of God. But God sees us as a righteousness in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, that doesn't just affect people that aren't Christians. That affects Christians because we get to uh, entertain a thought. The enemy comes in. Then we'll entertain another thought, and he comes in, and another thought, and another thought. And the next thing you know, what's the point of going to church anymore? I'm so far from God. I have to do this before I feel like I can get near God anymore. I can't. What's the point of praying to God? He doesn't hear me. I'm not worthy of him to hear my prayers. And that is an absolute lie from the pit of hell. That's why it's so important that you need to know your position. You need to know your position when it comes to your position with God. You need to know that. See, he put us in a new position with himself. The position is righteousness, right standing with God. We're no longer offenders to God. God's not looking to strike you down. We are once again now children of God when we receive him as our Lord and Savior. There is no human on this earth that can attain Right standing with God through their own effort, religious traditions or deeds or good charitable works. There's not one. It's only through our faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Romans chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Lays it out perfectly there. To be in right standing with God, what does that mean? To be in right standing with God means that there is no longer any animosity, separation, or alienation. We are accepted. We're welcomed and received as sons and daughters of God. It means that once we declare our faith in him, what that's saying is we now step into good position. We step into a new position with God the Father. We have to walk in that position. We have to walk in that position. Now, that doesn't mean <clears throat> go and do whatever you want, just keep sinning because well, I'm in right standing with God. Because here's the thing, honestly, when there's a heart change there, your actions are going to want to change. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. There's not one of us in here that are perfect. 
There's not one of us in here that could probably say we haven't messed up in the last month, let alone last week, let alone maybe today. Right? A thought that we shouldn't have entertained, saying something to somebody maybe we shouldn't have said, whatever. But we are in right standing with God. We are in good position with him. We're no longer uh, objects of his anger or his punishment. Jesus has taken that all upon himself. See, Jesus was in right relationship with God as no one else can be. He's the son of God. Jesus is the son of God. He's God manifest in the flesh. He is holy, he is pure, and he is without sin. But yet, like we've been talking about Jesus, what did he do? He came here and he became sin for us through no wrongdoing on his part. He took our sin in his own body on the cross and says, and by his stripes, we are healed. As I'm closing, I'm going to be closing, I want to share this quote from Andrew Womack. He's a a great Bible teacher. This quote is so powerful. He says, failure to understand this truth, talking about righteousness, failure to understand this truth is at the root of all guilt and condemnation. Satan's only inroad into our lives is sin. If we understand our right standing with God on the basis of what Jesus did for us and not by our own actions, then Satan's power to condemn us is gone. Those who live with a feeling of unworthiness are not trusting in God's righteousness, but are looking to their own actions to obtain right standing with God, and that will never work. Building block number two, you need to know if you've received Jesus, and if you haven't, that's okay. In just a minute or two, you will have an opportunity to, but you need to know. If you've received Jesus, again, building block number one, which we know we become a new creation in Christ. And then building block number two, when you were born again, you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are in right standing with God. You are in right standing with him. You don't need to feel that guilt. You don't need to feel that condemnation. Amen? Why don't we all stand up? I want to make sure if there's anyone in here and you've not received Jesus yet as your Lord and Savior, that you have the opportunity to do that tonight, to come into right relationship with him, to become a new creation, to become then the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Remember, you were born a sinner. We all are born sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus came to die and to take our sin. And he went to the cross. He took our sin upon us. He died for us. He was buried. And then he rose again. So we would have an opportunity, as Paul writes in Romans, that when you believe that and you confess that you are saved, it's a gift of grace. Salvation is a gift of grace, but you need to receive it while you're here on earth. Remember, like we talked about that, all of us that are here, we were born naturally through a physical birth. But to be born again has to also take place here on this earth. And it's when you give your life to Jesus. It's when you say, God, I cannot do this anymore on my own. I need a savior. And Jesus, I believe you are who said you are where I believe you did it. I believe you went to the cross, you died and you rose again so I can have an opportunity to receive you as the Lord of my life and become in right standing with God the Father, my eternity secured. So I want to lead us in that salvation prayer. If we could all bow our heads and shut our eyes.
We can all pray this together. No, if you're praying this for the first time, it says the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes and seals you, the life of God inside of you. And you become in right standing with God. You become a new person. The old is gone, the new is here. So why don't we all pray this together? Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that you sent him to the cross for my sins. I believe that he died for me. And I believe that he rose again. So Father, this day, I acknowledge I need a savior. I repent of my old ways. And Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, to be my Lord, and to be my Savior. I surrender my life to you, and I'm going to follow you all my days. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Excuse me, listen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, just a minute when we're dismissed, please don't walk out these doors. Come and tell one of our prayer team members, I pray that salvation prayer. Because again, you're a new person now in Christ. We want to give you a Bible. We want to answer any questions that you have. We want to help you. This isn't the end. It's the beginning of your journey. It's the beginning of this relationship you have with God the Father. And it says in his word, he has good plans for you and he has a purpose for your life. Amen. So please come up here. And if you need prayer for anything else, please come up. We would love to stand in faith with you for whatever you're believing for. Amen.